Well, good morning, Five Stones Church. If you're excited to be in the house of God, why don't you make some noise this morning? I want to welcome all of you joining us for the very first time, as well as all of you joining us online on the other sides of computer screens, tablets, and phones all over the place. We recognize that you can't be here in the building today for one, one reason or another, but we still count you as family. Am I right, Five Stones? Can we put our hands together and welcome our church family? So glad that you're joining us. So glad to be here. Hey, you saw from that video uh, that next Sunday is Mother's Day. And uh, in case you guys didn't get prepared for that, you're welcome. Go ahead and set that up this week. We're going to be celebrating moms this week. And I want to give you a little bit, moms, some pastoral. Um, just we're going to give you the approval here. You can use mom guilt. Okay, next week when they, this week, this coming week, when they say, mom, what would you like for Mother's Day? You say, you know, what I'd really like is if you just come to church with me. And because nobody can guilt you like a mom. And so you, you just have the approval of the pastor. You can use a little guilt right there. It's, it's spiritual guilt, so it's a good thing. We're going to get them in the house. And here's the reason why. We want to love on them and just celebrate you because, moms, you mean so much to us. We are one mother-loving church. And uh, we want to be able to celebrate with Deborah shakes her head every time I say that. Uh, that's okay. Hey, I'm excited today because we're going to wrap up the series that we've been calling You Asked For It. And uh, if you're new to Five Stones, at Easter, we asked everybody to fill out a, a survey, just some things, tell us some things that you're interested to know more about, maybe something in scripture, maybe something in the world around you today that you've been wondering a little bit more about. And so we took those answers, got an incredible response, and we developed a, a four-week series where we covered a whole lot of ground, talking all about all these things that, that you wanted to know more about. And so if you missed any one of those weeks, you can come back and check those out online. They are uh, on our website fivestonesfamily.com or on our YouTube page. But today, we're going to cover a topic that you wanted to know more about as we wrap up this series, a topic that, that you wanted to understand more of, and that is the topic of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't, I don't know what your church background is. Everybody kind of comes at this thing from different directions, and you might have come from a background uh, where the Holy Spirit was a central part of the service, and, and it, it was very, very talked about. He, he was very um, stressed, and, and, and you really talked about it. Or you might come from a, a more traditional background, where we love Jesus, we love God, um, but the Holy Spirit we're a little nervous about, and so if he just stay kind of over in the corner where he doesn't mess anything up, we're, we'd be fine with that. Like, I, I don't know what your background is. You might have come from one of those backgrounds, or, or maybe you saw some stuff growing up in church that you've wondered about, or, or maybe a, a TV preacher where he gets up there and he's wearing a white suit and, and he blows on some people and they all fall out. And you're wondering, what is that about? Like, does he just have like really bad breath or, or like or what's happening right there? Now, I don't know which direction it is that you come from, but maybe um, like, like many people I've talked to and, and certainly many of you, because it was a large number of people that asked, I'd like to know more about the Holy Spirit. Um, maybe you're here today and you've just wondered, I'd like to know a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. And, um, and maybe you're here, you're a Christ follower and you come to church, which by the way, thank you for prioritizing church. Thank you for coming in this morning and making church a priority. This summer, there's going to be all kinds of things that's going to vie for your attention and want to pull you out of there. And I think it's important that we do what Scripture says, that we, we don't forsake meeting together. So make sure that you're making church a priority. And maybe you're here and you're doing that. You, you, man, I'm a, a Christ follower. I come to church. I pray. I give. I serve. I go. But, but there's, if I'm honest, there's something with my relationship with God that seems to be missing. And maybe you would say that. Maybe you, there, there seems to be like a little bit of a hole 
when it, when it comes to your relationship with God and, and it seems like there should be a little bit more. And if that's the case, that, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and, and talk to you about this third person of the Trinity. And by the way, that he is a he, it's, he's not an it. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a he. His, it, we call him the Holy Spirit. That's his name. And just like God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is a third person in the Trinity. That, that might be uh, some questions for you too. Like, how does that thing work? Like, how, how is it that, that, that he could be three people in one? Well, well it's not really that hard to think about if you, you kind of get to it. You're made in the image and likeness of God. Did you know that? That's what scripture says. God made you in his image. And God is a three-part being. And, and similar to that, not exactly like that, but you're, you're similar to God in that way that you, you have three parts too. You got the body, you see that part, that's pretty easy to see. You can, you can check that out and, and see everybody. But there's also, not, you're, you're not just arms and legs and eyes and organs. You're the part that make up all of those things tied together. And, and that's your mind, your will, and your emotion. That's your soul. Like that's, that's who you are. That's a part of you. And then there's also a third component of you. That's your spirit. That's the part that's going to live on forever. The, the other two parts will, will, will be reformed and remade. And, and, and God will renew all of those parts. But your spirit, the spirit part of you, is the part that God breathed life into. That's the part Jesus died for. That's the part that's going to live on forever. And so in a similar way, you're a three-part being too. But God is perfect, and, and, and we're just his image and likeness. He's actually perfect. He is a pure, true, three-part being. And the Holy Spirit is a person unlike anyone you'll ever meet because he is a person that the more that you get to know him, the, the deeper your relationship with God will get. And the more you understand about him, the, the further he'll take you. The problem is, is I've talked to a lot of people, and they're just a little worried because they are afraid that the Holy Spirit might be weird. Like he might be a little weird. See, the problem is I've talked to people before and they're worried that, that he might be weird. Like when, that, that it's the reason why a lot of churches, when it comes to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, which by the way, that's just a translation. It's the same word, Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. But they'll look at that and they'll say, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to touch on that because, because he might just be like that. It might be a ghost and ghosts are spooky and they're scary and we better not talk about ghosts. And so they, they end up staying all away from them. But, but can I just tell you this? And let me start off with this fact. The Holy Spirit is not weird. I want you to know that. He's not weird. He's kind. He's sensitive. He's an amazing God. He is part of the Trinity. Now, don't you think that there might be somebody, some person that would like for us to think that the Holy Spirit is weird? Right? The devil would love for us to think that the most powerful being in the universe living inside of us is weird. Now, here's the, the truth of the matter. Now, we've seen some weird people, right? And they're, they're weird people, and they've behaved weird. And, and when, they, when they've acted weird, they say, well, the Holy Spirit made me do this. But here's the problem. They're weird, not the Holy Spirit, okay? The, the, there are weird people. The Holy Spirit's not weird. There are weird people, but they'd be weird if they weren't talking about the Holy Spirit. They'd be weird if they were chess pros, right? Like, there are some people that are just weird, right? And, and it's just the reality of it. But the Holy Spirit himself is not weird. The truth is... There are some parts about our God that you're just never going to understand. Like, think about it. Like, it, he's, he's so amazing. He's so incredible. He's so deep. He's so complex that there are some parts about God that you just can't comprehend. 
And, and if you say, man, no, I, I don't know about that, Pastor Tom. I, I feel like I understand every part of God. I, I don't think we're worshiping the same guy. Because God said this. He said, my ways are above your ways. My thoughts are above your thoughts. As high are the heavens to the earth, so are my ways above yours. So in other words, he's saying, listen, we're not alike. We're similar. I made you in the image and likeness, but we're different. And so there's parts of God that we just don't understand. And, and when we don't understand him, we tend not to pursue those things that we don't understand. Right? Like, like, like the things that you don't get, you, you don't tend to pursue. That's true in relationships. I know that was true with me when I was going to school. The things that I didn't understand are, are the things that I didn't run towards. In fact, like that's the reason why me and algebra have nothing to do with each other to this day. Because the moment that they started mixing numbers with letters, I thought that's of the devil. That's what that is. And I just stayed away. In fact, I'm still not completely convinced Right? So that there's the things that, that we, we are around all the time that we don't understand completely. We tend to stay away from those things. And, and there's no reason to pursue them. And that it's the reason why maybe you've never been taught or explained something. And so you stayed away from that thing. It's the same reason why, why we, if you've never been taught about generosity, then there's no reason that you can understand or want to pursue the fact that we should be good stewards of our money and be generous with those finances. It's the same reason why if you've never been taught about forgiveness, when somebody hurts you, then, then you can't understand why I would want to go to that person and make those things right, just like we talked about last week. And, and so when, when, you, when you're experiencing something that you don't understand, you try to stay away from it. And, and so what I want to do today is I want to get you to a place where, where you really see what it's like to have a fully empowered life by the Holy Spirit. Because I think if you get that, you start to understand the benefits of living a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know the, the last thing, one of the last things that Jesus talked about before he was crucified was this topic. Think about that, the amazingness about that statement. Jesus knows he's about to be murdered. He knows he's going to die. Now, he knows that he'll be coming back. He knows that he's not going to stay dead. He's going to come back. But he also knows that the disciples don't completely grasp this concept together either. And so if you only had one thing to tell somebody before you left, before you were going to leave this earth, knowing that you wanted to comfort them in some way, what would it be? Well, for Jesus, it was this topic. And this is how he talks about it to the disciples in John chapter 14. And he's talking to us too. He says this, he says, I'll ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit, notice it's a capital S. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. What an incredible promise that God is giving us. He's saying, like, listen, I, I'm physically here with you right now, but I, I'm not going to be forever. And when I'm, not, when I'm gone and I'm physically not with you, I'm going to be with you still, but I'm going to be with you in a brand new way. And it's an incredible way. Well, coincidentally, this is one of those passages in Scripture, and there are several, where all three parts of the Trinity are listed right there. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's, here it is. that it, It's Jesus talking about asking the Father to, to send the Spirit. So, so what I want to do this morning with our time is I, I want to break this down in a, a complicated concept, right? He, he, he's a third part of the Trinity that's pretty complicated, but I want to break it down in a way that you can get it. That, like, like, because this is the way God did for me. I, I mean, I, I need the cookies on the bottom shelf. Come, come on, somebody, you know? And, and this is the way God showed it to me. He just makes it real simple and real clear and, and, and real obvious. And so what I want to do is kind of act like a good salesman to you. Rather than trying to show all the complexities of, of who God is, I, I just want to show you how beneficial it would be to live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And so if you're a note taker, you can write this down. Here's the first benefit I feel of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to overcome sin. When, when you live your life filled with the Holy Spirit, you no longer have to live with sin as your master. Let me show it to you in the book of Galatians. Paul says it this way, Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I want you to notice that he says walk. Some translations say live. But it's not a one-time event. He's saying it's an ongoing event, that, that if you'll walk with God, that if you'll, you'll stay with God, if you'll live with God, you'll experience this blessing that you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Now, how many of you would like that? I mean, I, I know I, I would like that. I, I, would, I would like to experience that. He says, if you'll do that, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. How many of you have ever had something robbed from you because of sin? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm raising mine. It does that, right? Like, like that's what sin does. I, I hate sin. It steals from us. It robs us. It destroys relationships. It takes things from the people around you. I don't want it in my life because I know what it does. And if you keep reading this passage, she says, for the flesh, and what that is, by the way, is, is, is your body. This is your sinful nature that we're all born with. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. In other words, what he's saying is that your, the Holy Spirit and your flesh will never get along. There's always going to be a conflict because the moment that you accepted Jesus into your life, the moment that you said, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior, and I open up my life to you and I welcome you in, you became, according to Scripture, a temple for the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the Holy Spirit and your sinful nature are never going to be friends. They're going to constantly be in conflict with one another. Do you know this, that like me, you want to sin? Did you know that? Like, like your first temptation, when you, when you face a temptation, and everybody's temptation is different, but, but your first reaction, your knee-jerk reaction when you're faced with a temptation is you want to sin. My first inclination when I'm tempted is to say, yes, I want to do the things. I, I want to eat too much. I want to over-medicate myself in a number of different ways. I want to say yes to this. I want to look at the thing that I don't want to look at. I want to say the thing that I'm not supposed to say. I want to say yes to all of that. Some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. Can, can, can we just be honest, like take off our little Christian masks for a minute? Your, your first inclination, and I don't know what your temptation is, is, everybody's different, but your first inclination when you see that temptation is to say yes. But you know what happens? When I have that temptation inside of me, the Holy Spirit rises up inside of me, and, and it fights against that temptation. And it says, oh, no, 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 Tom, don't do that. You don't want to do that. Oh, if you knew the plan that I had for you, you'd know that that is not included in it. You don't want to do that temptation. Don't fall for that, it, because it, it'll take you farther than you want to go. It's going to cost you more than you ever wanted to spend. You're going to stay there longer than you ever wanted to. Don't do that, Tom. Don't do that. And so what happens in that moment is I, I turn, and I walk away. And I do what the Bible says, which is to flee from those youthful lusts of the flesh. It says, get away from those things, those passions of the flesh. Well, what causes you to be able to do that? Is it just simply self-discipline? No. You, you, you don't have that much self-discipline in your life. I mean, try as hard as you might. And listen, I'm all for discipline. I think it's good and it's godly for us to discipline this flesh. But the truth is, at the end of the day, you don't have enough self-discipline because your sin is a your flesh is a powerful master, and it wants to rule over you. It, 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 it wants to take you and pull you into the area that you don't want to be in. And so when you're tempted, my question to you is this, is that 
When you're tempted with sin, does an argument rise up inside of you that says, no, 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 don't do that, stop that. I don't know if you're like that, but the, 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 the memory that I have that fixes on this so perfectly, I'll never forget, is the time that I went over to Haiti. And I was with some, uh, some missionaries there, and uh, we went over to Haiti, spent some time in, in Haiti, and we were ministering to them. We were building little chairs for orphanages. I mean, we're, me and about four or five other guys joined together with other churches, and we went over to Haiti. I, I used to do a lot of ministry over there, and, and we spent some time there. I actually preached to a men's conference over there. We were pouring out all week. We were just giving out and giving out and pouring, and it was good and spiritual and awesome. And it was also miserable and hot and tedious. We, we stayed in this little concrete block building. Building. All the guys stayed in there, and, um, and it, was, it had no windows. It's just a concrete room with a door, and it had a little air conditioner in the wall that was the equivalent of an old man lightly blowing on your skin. You know, <laughs> like it, was, it was not doing much good. We were hot. We were tired. It was 94 degrees in the middle of the night, and we finally figured out that we could, we could put up the mosquito net because if we just let the door open, then the mosquitoes would come in, and we'd all get malaria. So we got the mosquito net fixed up there so we, we could at least get a little bit of the door breeze at 94 degrees. I mean, it was hot. And we gave out, and it was good, man. It was, we helped the orphans down there, and we, I mean, it was just everything you would think of. But by the end of that mission trip, we were ready to get back home. So we hopped on a plane, jumped over from Port-au-Prince all the way to Miami. We're in the Miami airport, and we're sitting there in the middle of the night, ready to go. It's me and these missionary groups from other churches. We're all sitting there. And they didn't load the plane like they normally do. Like, what they normally do is they say, like, group one, get on, and everybody goes. I'm always in the last group, you know? So I'm sitting there waiting, listening for them to call my group. But this is not what they did. Suddenly, they came over the speaker and said, all right, the plane's uh, going to be taken off. It's officially done, and, and we're, we're, we're done loading. And I, we, all of us were like, what? We all stand up. We come to the front desk. And we say, what, what are you talking about? Like, we were waiting to get on that plane. It's the last plane from Miami back home, and we wanted to get on that plane. And they said, no, nope, sorry, the plane's been closed. I said, I'm looking at the plane right there. Just, let, just open the door. We'll just all get back in because you didn't call us. They said, no, we called your name. I said, you did not call my name. And, and it, something started to rise up inside of me and it was not the Holy Spirit and it started to build up inside of me like a, if you shake up a Coca-Cola can like that's what was starting to happen in there and I could hear the Holy Spirit he was really quiet because I was really tired and he was saying no Tom don't do it and I was like not now Holy Spirit I'm in, working up a good mad and I said hey let us into the plane we want to get on the plane we want to go home and then she had the audacity to just turn and walk away from me and now I'm hot so now I'm, I look at the missionaries with me. I said, come with me. So I've got all these missionaries. We're going up an escalator together. We're all going in the airport. We go to the desk, and I said, hey, I'm supposed to be on a plane right now. All these people behind me, we were serving Jesus, and we need to get home. And she looked at me, and she said, I'm sorry, you missed the plane. And she wouldn't talk to me any further either. She walked off. And now my brain starts to blow up. And I'm thinking, okay. Now, I don't know about you guys. You might have, I had my BC days. Anybody have your before Christ days? You know, like it, that's a different kind of person. You know what I'm talking about? Like I used to be the guy that would fight at the drop of a hat and I dropped the hat. I was the guy that if you needed to make a phone call, I would, you did not want to be on the other side of the phone call because I know how to escalate this to the next level. You know what I'm talking about? And so I was that guy and I, but, but because of Jesus, I'm a different person now. And so I said to the missionaries, you guys stay here. I'm going to make a phone call. And so I walked away what I thought was far enough from the group. And I got on the phone. And I started escalating it to the next level. And when I was done escalating with, to the next level, I came back to the missionary group and I said, guys, got it all worked out. I'm sorry, we're going to have to stay here in Miami tonight. But 
We are going to have free hotels. The airline is paying for all of our hotels, paid for our dinner tonight, wherever you want to go, breakfast in the morning. All of you guys are getting refunded airline tickets so you can fly wherever you want. And, and we're, they're taking care of every bit of that. I got it, got it taken care of. And I, I thought they were going to look really surprised by this, but they were all like kind of nodding their head. And I, I said, you guys don't, don't look very surprised. And one of the guys on my group said, oh no, pastor, we're not really surprised at all. We heard you. And I said, you do what now? And, and like one of the guys in the group said, oh no, man, we, we got nervous because you were gone for a, a minute. And so we, we went looking for you and we found you in the airport. In fact, I took some pictures of you. And, and, and in fact, I think we have them just to shame the devil. We'll go ahead and show them. See, you, here, here I am right there and, and I'm talking. Go ahead, guys, just keep scrolling through. And, and you can tell like it's right here, about here where my brain blows up and it starts on fire. And so keep going, just kind of scroll through. Yeah, see like, the, like there, there's a a lot of anger that's happening in that. Like, I didn't think that they're watching me at all, but I was explaining life to them. And in that moment, thank you guys, we can stop the embarrassment. In, in that moment, like I felt so convicted because they, they had they called me out, they caught me, and the Holy Spirit that whole time was trying to stop me from being that person that I used to be, even though it was for a good reason. I didn't have to respond that way. I didn't have to be like that. And I was tired. And see, that's what happens a lot of times. You get tired, you get worn down, you start feeling low, and it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit is trying to talk to you, trying to get you to stop those temptations that are in front of you. And if you're not careful, you'll just fall through it. And so my question is, is, is this, like, it, when you're faced with that kind of temptation, is there something inside of you that says no? Because if we, if we are honest and we just take off our little Christian mask, then we know what it's like. You cannot be in this world today and not be tempted. You can't drive down the street and not see a sign and be tempted. You can't listen to the radio and, and talk to people and go to work and not be tempted. The problem is not the temptation. The problem is saying yes to that temptation. And this is why you need the Holy Spirit inside of you. Because it's the thing that controls your sinful nature. Do I wrestle with it? Yes. Do you wrestle with it? Yes. And we can push back for a little while, but unless you have the Holy Spirit coming up inside of you, helping you in that moment, you will fall for it every single time. Did you know that the Bible says your flesh has waged war against you? And this is why you, you have to have the Holy Spirit inside of you fighting back against yourself, fighting back against those temptations. Uh, it's so, so important, so powerful. Here's the second thing that the Holy Spirit does. It makes us, he makes us passionate witnesses. The Holy Spirit will make us passionate witnesses. This is what happened to the disciples in the book of Acts. Jesus told them this. In Acts 1, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You know what a witness is, right? A witness just tells their side of the story. Like if you were in a courtroom and, and you were on the witness stand, what you would do is they would say, well, just, you're not the judge, right? You're not the, the defense you're not the prosecution. You just say, this is what I saw. This is what happened to me. A lot of you on the Easter survey said, tell us more about how do we share our faith. I want tools. If I could give you the best tool in your toolbox, the greatest weapon in your arsenal, it's this right now, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because here's the question I have for you. Do you have anything new that's happened with you and God? Is anything new within the last little bit? Like, like I had this experience with the Holy Spirit. Like this, this amazing thing happened to me. Or are all your stories 5 and 10 and 15 years old? 
See, see, one of the ways that I know that I'm, I'm walking with the Holy Spirit is that I've got a fresh new story to tell. The Lord uses my gifts. He uses me, and, and he puts me in situations where I have something fresh and brand new to tell. I, I say, man, this is what's happening. This is the same reason why I know when I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit is because I don't have anything fresh, anything new to tell. You know what happens when you try to tell an old story again? You can't tell it as passionately. Right? You, you just can't tell it the same way. This is the same reason why the believers, when, when they were there on that day of Pentecost, when Pentecost, what happened was the spirit was restored back to mankind. The, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all men. It's the reason why this group of disciples went from, from cowardly people locked in a room hoping that they don't get caught to busting out of that room. And Peter's preaching a message and he didn't care who heard because he had to tell everybody. And he got out there and he starts preaching and thousands get saved. It's the reason why they're completely different and changed. I mean, what took those cowardly group from a cowardly group locked up into a room to being so bold that they'd preach to anybody? And that's my question to you. Do you have any new stories that, that are happening with you and God? How about this, this month? How about this, this week? I, I'm not saying it has to be every single day, but, but it ought to be within the last couple of months that, that God has done something inside of your life and, and you cannot help. You cannot wait to tell somebody about it. This is why you can't wait to tell your neighbor. I got to tell you about what God's doing in my life. He did something powerful. This is why you, you say, I got to tell you, 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 you got to come to five stones. God's doing something powerful there. It's what does this to you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Here's the next thing that the Holy Spirit does. He introduces us to spiritual gifts. He introduces us to the spiritual gifts. He said it this way in 1 Corinthians. Paul said, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Now let me ask you, is anybody excluded in that? Right? No, it's all of us. Every one of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help one another. That's the reason. That's why he gives us these gifts. God's a spiritual God. He gives spiritual gifts. And to one person, it says, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives a gift of faith to another. To someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages and another is the ability to interpret what's being said. It's the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person gets. Uh-oh, that last one gets us nervous, doesn't it? That's the elephant in the room. It's like when we talk about the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, we start getting nervous about that last part, a prayer language. And, and, and people start to think, this is the part where, where we feel like the Holy Spirit needs to be limited. We just want him over there in the corner. Don't let him loose because if he does something, we don't know how to contain him. Right? This is the, the part. And can I just tell you this? Let me reiterate the fact. The Holy Spirit is kind and wonderful. And he's never going to possess you or make you do something that you don't want to do. Like God is a perfect gentleman and he's always going to do this. Here's what I believe in my whole heart. That the day that Jesus returned back to heaven and Pente on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all men, I think Satan started to get really nervous. Because he thought the, the, if, if the church receives the Holy Spirit, the power of the living God active and alive in them, you know what they'll do? They'll do exactly what the early church did. They turn the world upside down. And, and Satan started to think, if this happens, then what are we going to do? I've got to make one, one way or the other, I've got to make this weird. I've got to make them feel as though this is not something that, that they want to be part of. It's got to be controversial. And that's exactly what he did. He focused on one gift. And he, and he tries to make us afraid of it. 
And as a result, he tries to keep people from knowing it. I mean, in that list of gifts that God says, I will pour out on people, you know what they were? They were a miraculous gift of healing. Nobody pushes back on that, right? Like, I mean, like, what that gift is, is, is you could lay hands on somebody and then boom, miraculously healed. Nobody says, no, we don't want any of that, right? And inside of it is, is actually telling the future prophecy, right? It, it, to prophesy over someone is to tell something that has not happened yet. I mean, nobody really gets weirded out about that, but this is the one thing that gets people nervous. And can I tell you this? I can totally understand why. When I was an unbeliever, my mom drug me to church. I had a drug problem. Anybody else had a mom that would drug them to church? Like she dragged me to church every time on Sunday. And I didn't believe in Jesus, didn't want to have anything to do. And she just kept dragging me to church. And I bless God for her. I thank God that she dragged me to church. Mom, if you're watching online, thank you for dragging me to church. Moms, if you're here in the place, this is why we say drag your kids to church. I'm grateful for a mom that drug me to church, but she took us to a church because we were trying to find a church. And in this particular church, at the same time, we went several times, at the same time in the middle of the service, this same little nice old lady would hop up and she would go into her spiel and she would, she would speak in tongues and she would start preaching and she would say, you know, I tie my bow tie, you tie your bow tie. Shit about a Hyundai, set about a Nissan. You know, and, and she's going after this thing, right? And I'm sitting there going, what is going on? Like I was completely confused by this. I said, I don't want to have anything to do with this. In fact, that's exactly what the apostle Paul said would happen if it came out of order, because there's an order that Paul says that, that needs to, to, to be fit inside of a service. And it did to me exactly what maybe you've seen or, or you experienced or happened to others. It did what Paul said would happen. It made me push back and say, I don't want to have anything to do with those people. Now, it may surprise you to know that when it comes to this gift, the apostle Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. And I don't forbid anybody to do it. And I wish, he says, I wish everybody would do it. What, what, what this is, is a gift that God gives us. And it's not something that we should be afraid of. The enemy would love to make us afraid of this concept, but it is something that the Holy Spirit gives so that you can pray more effectively. You know, there are times in the day where I'll be going through my average every day and one of your little faces will pop inside of my brain and I will think about you and I'll think, I just know in my spirit, I'm supposed to pray for them. And I don't know what it is. And I may be too busy in the, in the middle of stuff that I can't reach out. And I'll just start praying in the spirit for you. There are times that, that go throughout my day. I, I have kids that are in the, the public school system. And listen, I thank God for our teachers and our administrators and our faculty that take care of our kids. But it also affords me some faith, right? Some times where I have to pray for my kids. And I'll be, I'll be in a meeting. And all of a sudden, I feel like the Lord say, pray for Tom. Pray for Joe. Pray for Elizabeth. And I don't know what to pray for him about. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to pray a general prayer if a specific prayer is needed. And I think at some point we'll get to heaven and we'll find out what God actually meant by all of those. Like, we'll find out what was happening in those prayers. But, but what this does, and, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, is a way to pray more effectively. Now, here's what my point in this whole thing is to say, don't allow an abuse or a misuse to cause you to shy away from the Holy Spirit and not live a life fully empowered by him. Because you cannot live this Christian life successfully without the Holy Spirit. Why, how do I know that? Because he's, he's God. He's the third part of the Trinity. Just as much as God the Father is and God the Son is, God the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity and you need him. And being filled by him, it, it, it just means you're able to resist sin, it means you're able to pray more effectively. You be a more passionate witness. It, it, it gives you gifts. Now, now, let me ask you this. Does any of that sound bad to you? Like, I, I don't think anybody would say, man, that's, 
That, that, I don't want anything. I'm not talking about hysterical actions. I'm not talking about being out of control. I'm not talking about anything about being weird. I'm talking about living a life free of sin as your master, about learning what your spiritual gifts are and using them. And I think all of these are good things. I think these are things that God wants. So how do we live a life filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, let me show you what Jesus said. In John chapter 20, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Following the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples started looking at Jesus in a different way. They knew him. They, they had walked with him for three years. They knew him, but now they looked at him differently. He went from being good rabbi with some really interesting teaching to, I believe he's God. And they really, in this moment, they looked at him differently. And Jesus said he breathed on them and it changed. Did you know this is the second time that God breathes on us? Remember the first time in the garden, but before we were, before mankind got, got around and started moving around, God formed man out of the dirt and then he breathed life into them. And then man became different. He started walking around different from the other animals and other creatures in God's creation. He was totally different. He was made in the image and likeness of God. God had breathed inside of him. Now here's the second time where God is breathing on mankind and something shifts and there's a difference. I have for you a very, very high tech, very high dollar uh, sermon illustration. Are you ready for it? Spare no expense on you, five stones. Here it is, right? Do uh, you know what this is? It's a balloon right? Let me ask you this question. Is this balloon fulfilling its purpose? No. Why? Because it needs to be filled with something. Now, what could we fill this balloon with? Air. Yeah. What else? Water. We've got to stay away from those. Those are the ones that want to hit you with water balloons. Good to know. So like air, it could be, what kind of air? You could put helium in it. What other air? Yeah, CO, good old CO2, right? You can put that through. So now watch, this balloon not fulfilling its purpose. Now watch what happens. Now is it fulfilling its purpose? Look at that. Big old smiley face. It, it, it's fulfilling its purpose. Why? Because now it's been filled with something. Now it's got what, it's, what it was meant to be is filling it up. But here's the problem with this. This is just like you and I. Here, here's what ends up happening. In this life, we have these moments where we feel full, right? And feel like everything's going our way. And then suddenly life happens. And we don't confess as much. And we don't pray and we don't read our Bibles, and work happens, and the kids happen, and stuff happens, and the next thing you know, you feel deflated, right? And, and this thing that, this one time I had this amazing relationship with Jesus, and now I feel more like this, right? And I feel empty, and I, I feel like there's, there's nothing left. And so what ends up happening to us is we have this, this one-time experience with Jesus. And, and I bet some of you, many of you in this room might remember that time where you, you, you said yes to Jesus, and it felt so amazing, and you wanted to tell everybody about him, and, and you could fight back sin, and you felt incredible. And then what happens? How come your balloon doesn't look like that anymore? Why? Because life happens, and life takes it from you. And ministry takes it from you. And the next thing you know, you feel more deflated like that. Can I just be honest with you? I love being your pastor. 
I love being with you and counseling with you and, and praying with you and, and teaching you about the Holy Spirit. But if I could just be honest, on Sunday when I'm done, I'm wiped. I look more like this. And I have to go back home. And on Monday, I have to, I have to get along with the Holy Spirit and I have to say, man, I, I need you to fill me up again. I need, I need you to, to fill me from the bottom of my toes all the way up to my head. I gotta be filled with you again if I'm gonna keep going and be successful on this Christian walk. And you do too. How do we get God to to fill us up. Well, do you know this? That Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are both grace gifts. There's nothing that you really can do. I started to say, you can't do it. You really, you don't do it. You can't do it. There's nothing that you can do except for be ready for it. Say yes to it. Open up your heart and receive it. That's the only thing that God says in scripture that you can do. Only thing you can do is prepare for it. You can make yourself ready to receive him. That's how easy he made things. Now, here's what you can do. You can prepare. See, it would be the equivalent of if if I came over to your house today and you didn't expect me and I just knocked on your door and said, hey, can I come on in and eat your food and just sleep over here tonight? You you know, you would, how would you respond to that? Some of you guys like are like, that's rude. Yes, that's rude. Stop doing that to people. Okay. But, but, but it's entirely different if, if, if I were to be invited Right? If you were to invite me over, say, man, I've prepared a place for you. We got food all ready for you. When you come over, man, I, I, I want you to be here because we're going to have a great time together and, and stay the night, of course. We got a, a room all set up for you. It's going to be amazing. This is what God expects from us, is that you would prepare your heart to receive it. And if we're honest today, some of you have, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you're not really prepared to meet him yet because you've never prepared to meet Jesus yet. You might know about him. Oh, I came to a church. Oh, I heard about him all my life growing up. My mom and dad always talked about Jesus. But have you ever really given him full access to your life? Have you ever really swept out all the rooms, opened the door and said, Jesus, be Lord of my life? There's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God. 